0: Our scripture reading for today is from Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man called Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came in, came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth. By its four corners, it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking Simon, who was known as Peter, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Verse 19. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you so get up and go downstairs. Do not do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has showed me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius. Circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is a tale of a Gentile conversion, but it is more than that. This is a tale of twin conversions, Cornelius's, but also Peter's. But it's more than that. This is a tale that's not ultimately about two characters, but about the character of the covenant and the kingdom of Christ Jesus. And that sounds complicated, but it's actually simpler than that. It's a tale of two questions. Question number one, can Gentiles be converted? Question number two, can Jews be converted? But it's more complicated than that. It's a tale of some really complicated questions about the most simple thing that we do as humans. It's a tale of table fellowship. Because whatever outward marks like circumcision and religious observances like admittance to the temple might have distinguished the Jews as the world's chosen and precious minority from their Gentile counterparts, the most intimate place where this separation showed itself was where? It was at the table. One group was clean because they ate unclean things. The other group ate clean things because they wanted to remain chosen, and clean. Paul says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? Of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, Act 5 of the seven missional acts in Acts is a tale of two people representing two very different communities realizing this Pauline truth. So it isn't about eating and drinking but it is about being able to eat and drink together now what could be simpler than eating and drinking what could demonstrate togetherness across complicated cultural boundaries like eating and drinking together somebody has said that in luke's gospel jesus is constantly at a meal on his way to a meal or leaving the site of a meal in other words he eats and He drinks his way through the Gospel of Luke. The simplest of things presents problems for Jesus as he eats and drinks, doesn't it? He has opponents who slam him for being a friend of tax collectors and notorious sinners because why? He's eating with them. Tax collectors are collaborators with the Roman occupying forces. They're political compromisers. Sinners are living like godless gentiles. They're moral compromisers. Jesus eats and drinks with both of them. John the Baptist and his disciples don't quite get why Jesus is eating and drinking so much to begin with, regardless of who he's doing uh, it with, because all of John's disciples are fasting. And this Jesus thing looks like they're having a little too much fun to be serious about God. Once again, I wonder if Peter and James and John and the others remembered all the times that Jesus caused controversy as they were facing controversies of their own throughout the book of Acts. Here we go again, they think, a typical Jesus problem, food, and now it's us that's in trouble. Jesus was banqueting with all kinds of Jews, To show that his grace and his kingdom was big enough for people whose lives were so messed up that their politics or their morals were functionally Gentile. And now the question arises, okay, but what about people who don't just behave like Gentiles, but what about actual Gentiles? Is there room at the table for them? So here in Luke's second volume, the whole question of who gets to be in community together once again hinges on the question of who gets to eat together. In a very real way, if these folks can't figure out how to eat together, then you and I, non-Jews, will never end up at the Lord's table sharing the Lord's Supper and tasting the grace of the Lord Jesus together. If they can't have lunch, well, then we can't even be Christians. And for them to have lunch, a Jew and a Gentile will both have to be converted. Each of them will have to open themselves up to God's sovereign leading. Each of them will have to follow directions to the lunch table. Each of them will have to submit an RSVP without really knowing who their dining partners will be and why this meal is so important. Aren't you glad that they got up and they showed up and they went to lunch? Indeed, both Cornelius the Gentile and Peter the Jew were carried along in this episode. It's always the Lord who's taking the initiative. First, Cornelius, verses 1 through 8. Cornelius, who is not just a Gentile, but an important soldier, and therefore a representative of the empire whose execution put to death God's son. Well, he has nevertheless become a God-fearer. That means he's outside of the Jewish community but he believes in the one true God. He's waiting for the Messiah promised to Israel, just like Israel has been waiting for their Messiah. And he gets a visit from an angel while he's praying. And the angel is obviously on a mission from God. And the goal is obviously to get this pivotal cross-cultural meal to happen. Cornelius is used to praying, but he's sure not used to angels showing up in the middle of his prayers. So, unlike Zechariah, the Israelite priest in Luke's first volume, though, Cornelius, the Gentile, obeys the angel without any backtalk and disbelief. And he goes and sends his servants and a soldier to fetch Peter. Who knows what this is all about? Not Cornelius. And still, off he sends them to get the apostle. Now it's Peter's turn for weird stuff to happen, verses 9 and following. He's praying too, and he has a vision. And he thinks, so this is a test. Here's a bunch of animals, clean and unclean. Voice says, start eating, Peter. Peter says, no way. I'm clean. I won't eat unclean stuff. Boom, I passed the test. But then verse 15, uh, Peter, these are all clean. And by the way, don't call anything unclean that I have called clean. The same thing happens three times. And while all this is happening, meanwhile, the visitors from Cornelius's house, the Gentiles, show up. We've come for someone named Simon Peter. He needs to come with us to talk to our Gentile master. Peter invites them in, lets them stay the night. The next morning, they head back to Cornelius's house. He's invited all of his friends and family to hear Peter. And Peter starts off with a really awkward greeting to the assembled Gentile guests. Verse 28, you all know this should not be happening. We're clean, you're unclean. I don't belong here with you, you don't belong here with us. We're Jews, you're Gentiles. We don't have lunch dates, but nevertheless, I'm done calling you all unclean. The Lord has told me that no person should be called unclean. Somehow Cornelius and his friends aren't offended They're just obeying the Lord. Cornelius says, all right, Peter, we're all here, not just for lunch, but to hear whatever you have to say to us. You do have something to say to us, right? It's like, hey, preacher, are you going to preach or what? You can take the preacher out of the pulpit, but you can't take the pulpit out of the preacher. And Peter doesn't disappoint. Peter preaches. He proclaims that Jesus who died has risen. And that he's Lord of all. I love how he sneaks in a mention of the meals that he has shared with the Lord Jesus, not just before, but after his death and resurrection. Verse 41. Peter had cut himself off from his Lord by denying him three times. But then, three times at the end of John's Gospel, while they ate grilled fish along the seashore, the risen Jesus welcomed him back into communion with him, and he symbolized this radical re welcoming of Peter. In his grace, how? With food, with table fellowship. I'll even eat with you, Peter, Jesus says. And surely this was all going through Peter's mind and his heart as he ate lunch that day, as he preached to these outsiders. I see what you're doing, Lord. You restored even me and you did it through table fellowship. And now you're using me to welcome these people with whom I would never have wanted to eat into table fellowship with you. Your grace, O Lord, is amazing. And what else is amazing here is that there's not even a mention of the decisions that these Gentiles made to believe what Peter was saying. They hear And the next thing you know, the Holy Spirit just falls on them all. Peter can hardly believe it. Peter's Jewish friends, who could hardly believe that they're having a lunch party in a Gentile home, they can't believe what they're seeing either. Luke is showing us that conversion is just as much a willingness to get carried along by God's word and God's spirit in obedience to God's Son as it is an inward decision to believe. Luke highlights The sovereignty of the spirit only the spirit of god could host a lunch party like this one with such a strange guest list as this one and everyone in the room jew and gentile is converted as a result everyone's world has been turned upside down by the reality that allegiance to the Lord Jesus, who alone makes us clean from our sins and washes us white as snow in his precious blood, who was raised from the dead and ruling the universe, is all that ultimately matters. Peter is a new person. Cornelius is a new person. Everyone who gathers there that day is a new person. And so the kingdom from here on Out is a radically renewed kingdom, renewed by the coming in of Gentiles by faith in the promised Israelite King Jesus. These Gentiles here are baptized. Who can stop them from being baptized, Peter asks, indeed. And who can stop them from eating and drinking and rejoicing with us, reveling in God's grace together as one family? Friends. You and I need converted, don't we? If we're going to participate in the kingdom's expansive mission, if we're going to play host to a meal for all nations, if we're going to proclaim that moral and political and spiritual and national outsiders are all welcome at our table under the allegiance of the Lord Jesus, then we've got to have a Peter-like and a Cornelius-like conversion. God forbid that we think anyone is too common or unclean to be brought to the table with Jesus. All that matters is the willingness to embrace Jesus as Lord and savior and friend. And so with this vision, we open our houses to those who need converted right alongside of us. We open our homes and our lives. We eat and drink with those who seem to be on the outside. And as we do, We open our hearts for opportunities to proclaim that Jesus is, in fact, the risen Lord of all. And then by God's grace, some of these friends of ours will end up trusting him, receiving his spirit, and not just joining us at the dinner table, but joining us at the communion table, at the Lord's table, to break bread together on our knees, to taste together and to see together that the Lord is good, to proclaim together his life-giving love. Friends, do you want to be part of such a mission, such a project, such a conversion? Well, then we need our hearts converted, don't we? We need our church converted. We need to enter into the fifth missional act at the Book of Acts, along with Peter and Cornelius and all of their friends. And we need to taste and see that the Lord is so good that he can break down these barriers and bring us to the table together. People that are so different from one another and yet people who find a common need with one another, a need to be washed in the blood of Christ and made clean again. Will you join this mission with me? Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen.